You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Rundera. My name is Mark or the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight I have my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd, DBN. How you doing tonight, my man? Doing good, man. Doing good. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff to talk about, I know, but uh, man, I also feel like this is the month where all of the games are getting released. It's absurd. Like, Isn't it like, true? There's so many. There's so much coming out, right? I mean, I've been just bouncing back and forth between different games, some of which are new, some of which have been out for a while, but I just feel like almost overwhelmed by the amount of stuff between updates and games that I currently play, old games that I'm getting into. And then, of course, you know, I mean, on the 22nd, we have the big Destiny expansion. Uh, Yeah, that's right around the corner. mm Mm-hmm. Yep. And then on the 25th, we have Elden Ring. Uh, oh, is I that just this spent... month too? Yeah, dude. Yeah, and uh, the early buzz is pretty favorable uh, towards it. I'm I'm pretty excited. Is Elden Ring um, an MMO? No, it's no. more like a it's like Dark Souls, but like a free roam RPG instead of a linear sort of okay RPG. Okay. Um, but it's still like the Dark Souls sort of formula, uh, sure. from what I understand. But I mean it. I'm trying to remain somewhat spoiler free while still like checking out some stuff. Like I've been reading articles and avoiding gameplay. Um, okay, okay. Like gameplay footage. Like I don't want to see the gameplay footage. I just want to read about it and get excited that way and sort of imagine it. Cause I, I, I love uh, the, uh, the from software sort of uh, souls born games. And, and uh, I, I'm sure. really, I mean, really eager to one check of your that out. Favorite games ever. Oh. Right. Like, yeah, yes, in, in my opinion, it is the greatest PlayStation 4 game on the, the entire console life. Um, mm. it, it's genuinely that that awesome. I've played it through like three or four times, so it's uh, it's a great game. Uh, so, so of course, and then, you know, we've talked about this in a couple weeks ago, Pokemon, um, well, not Pokemon Unite, although I'm playing a lot of that, uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm, this I'm just... trying to play through that right now, and it's... I, I I feel like I don't know. I feel like I spent the first twelve hours of gameplay listening to other characters in the game talk. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. the game is actually fun when they let you play the game. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, uh, just as a reference, now that I've played it, there is definitely stuff that like you could see they got they built something unique and cool. And if this is the direction, I'm all for it. But they got to push it so much further. There are sections of that game like I ran through a cave that it looked like graphically, like the cave and the textures and the actual stuff that was in the cave was like, a. it looked like Morrowind or something. Like it looked like a game from like the early 90s. That's how bad and bare the environment was. Like, like, oh. Yeah, you know, they they were talking about, they were talking about the textures being such that they're really not great uh, close up, or really very good at long range, but the <laughs> but there are like that that middle ground, um, especially for like um, like the village looks really good. Yeah. But then oh, the of course as soon great. as you get out into the open, 
the the textures don't render very well and it's just it the landscapes just look bad yeah, yeah. it's and there's it's, just not and, a lot and, to interact with you know like there's not just it the is same somewhat stuff, empty you know? outside of the Pokemon. And there's a lot of Pokemon, and there's a nice little hit of dopamine whenever you find a Pokemon you haven't seen before, and you know you get to add it to your Pokedex. Dude, today I caught on stream, I caught a uh what's what's the ultra is it ultra? Is that what they are? The mega ones, the red eyes, whatever they whatever they yeah, are. Yeah, the alphas. Yeah. Uh, I, I caught an alpha scyther today on stream. Nice, uh, dude. And it took me resetting my game like 12 times to get it, but I caught one. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, like I literally can't it. control this thing for like three more stars because it was like level 40 something. But still, yeah. I got it. You know? Worth it, though, man. You got to get yeah, that full alpha it. team. Yeah, that'd be sick. It's uh, it's a, well, so like there's some really interesting stuff in there. I really liked the new the new Pokemon and the new versions like the forms. Hmm. Um, I think that the shiny hunting mechanics makes it a lot more accessible, even though you still have to go through some rigmarole to get a cool shiny Pokemon. It's not like running in the same patch of grass for, you know, 40 hours. Sure, you can um, watch the Pokemon spawn and find one in the you can do the, world that's shiny. Yeah, and you can also do this the mass outbreaks and, like, sort of farm those because they have the higher rate of getting a shiny. Oh, okay, it's like okay, 1 okay. in 156 or something like that as opposed to 1 in 4,000. But, yeah, I mean... That's much better. It's much better. Chance. Right. But, it, yeah. but, the, but the rate at which you, you... I mean, I ran into three overworld shinies just not trying throughout my playthrough sure just you like actually see you know because spawning. you see so many more pokemon all at once you know but i mean even outside of that like um the 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 plot i mean i don't know how far you are but the uh i'm just the, in the beginning like i just had to, i have to go to like the world tree or whatever it is just at the beginning i mean to see the the forest knight or something i, I really don't know sure. what's going on in the game the the, the thing is yeah like the plot having finished the main plot now uh, I'm still kind of wrapping up the post game stuff uh, is somewhat childish until like right at the end. And it's so I mean, I, I'll just spoil this. It's criminally easy. Like mm. the the battles against other trainers. There's a there's not enough battles against other trainers. That's in my one opinion. Thing it misses. Yeah, there's hardly any trainers in the game. You know, two the types of like that. There's a lot less diversity in moves. You don't have held items. You don't have like Pokemon, like their abilities, which I think are just all the really unique things that make Pokemon. You don't have to play Pokemon like a tryhard. Like as a kid, you know, you probably wouldn't even pay attention to, you know, what Pokemon has, what abilities, right? Uh, Or maybe you wouldn't even pay attention to, you know, um, the power or whether a move was physical or special, whatever. But all those things are kind of lacking for me because those are the things that make Pokemon strategically enjoyable. And then there's the fact that let's be honest, the battles aren't that hard. And, uh, and literally like no trainer was a challenge until right at the end. And And right at the end, (laughs) right at the end. No, I never lost a Pokemon trainer battle. I'll have, you know, but right at the end you face a couple trainers that say, oh, if they had been doing this the whole game, I would have felt like much more engaged and interested and maybe even in the plot because I would have actually respected these characters I'm running around with. Like, oh, 
you're actually not that bad at Pokemon battles. All right, I I'll, I can appreciate your character, but since they all just sort of roll over and die whenever a stiff breeze, <laughs> you know, comes through, you're like, why am I walking around with this idiot? Like this dude sucks. Like he can't even he can't even like win a, a single Pokemon. Like he can't even knock out a single one of my Pokemon. Like why would I? Why would anyone respect why this, dude? this dude? Sure. Yeah, yeah, like why? Are, why is he telling? Why is he telling me what to do? <laughs> well, I tell you what. I I've been playing that. There are a lot of new games that are right around the corner. Uh, it, it's like I'm not. There's no way I'm gonna have the time to actually play all of the games yeah. that are coming out. Like I'm already worried about not being able to get to the Destiny Two expansion. Dude, um, you like, have to. I want to, but I'm like, when am I gonna find the time for it? Anyway. Um, I actually, I've gotten back into some LOR, so I have not played very much, just very few games since Christmas. Just kind of took an extended break, didn't love, I haven't really loved any of Bandlewood, and I, I don't think I've been, uh, you know, I don't think I've made any illusions that I've enjoyed it that much. You liar. When the expansions dropped, I, I thought it was your new bit, favorite faction. No, I don't, I don't love much of the stuff that's come out with it. I actually do really like a couple of the stuff that's coming out we're going to talk about today. I am super pumped about, it's right around the corner. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I just haven't loved it, you know. But today, uh, I actually recently I got back into playing some LOR, and I've been playing this really fun Heimerdinger Jace deck. Um, that's like kind of controly and plays a lot of six drop spells, and just kind of like stalls out the early game and tries to win. And it's the first viable Heimerdinger 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 deck that I have been able to play since Heimer got nerfed. Yeah, um, since they and, reworked the elusives. Yeah, and honestly, part of it is just that, like, after watching Arcane, I wanted to play a deck that was about progress, right? And it was like, oh, okay, I can play Heimer and Jace together. And I know that they end up kind of, like, becoming sort of like, you know, Heimer, whatever. If I don't want to spoil anything for Arcane if you haven't watched it yet, but go watch it. But it was kind of cool to play it's two good. of the characters that I felt like were from the show that I really enjoyed. Uh, and played them together, and that was, it, it felt like a theme to me, and so often, LOR is not about the theme, like, if you play a deck that has a theme, it just means that you're playing a worse version of that deck, like, just mm -hmm. go play the better version, because um, everyone else on ladder is, uh, and I actually was able to steal about, I don't know, five or six games on ladder today, um, not that it matters, because the reset's coming, like, hours from now, so it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. Um, but mm -hmm. I didn't grind it. I, I, I played enough to get the silver, I guess, uh, which is a lot good for me because I hardly have played any ranked uh, this season. So I, I have enjoyed that, which kind of got me into I can't remember what it was, but something got me into the LOR mood. And I think it was a conversation that we were having. I don't know if it was us or maybe it was on stream, but I was just kind of like uh, it got me in the mood for card games again. And I haven't been in yeah. card games in a while, you know, and I. Maybe it was, maybe it was on stream, and we were talking about Tessel and other games, and I was just like, oh, "Man, I could really, I could really go for a card game right now." Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I've been getting a little bit of LOR in. Um, so, but we want to also reiterate what we announced last week, right? Um, at least yeah. with the new show coming out. So, do you want to tell people about what's coming up in the month of March? Yeah, so uh, if you guys missed last week's uh, announcement, it was at the end of the episode. Uh, but uh, we are sort of making some adjustments to the show format. Uh, the big kind of news, really, is that we're not just doing Legends Cast anymore. We're sort of expanding our 
uh, podcasting reach, as humble as it is, uh, we love doing it. We want to do more of it. We want to diversify our content as well because we have a lot of passions outside of just LOR. So uh, we made a uh, little uh, internal podcast network uh, that we're calling Camp Legend. Um, and that's going to sort of be the overarching uh, mothership, so to speak, of the various shows that we end up putting out and the shows that maybe we don't produce, but, you know, friends of ours end up working under our umbrella down the road. I mean, that's down the road, but that's what we want to be able to provide, right? So uh, Camp Legend uh, is going to be sort of the hub for where we'll have that sort of single Patreon account and whatnot that will feed all of our, uh, all of our content. So we are releasing a new show uh, called Almost Legends. And yep, that yep. is going to be a tabletop RPG podcast uh, that Mark, uh, Gibby, and myself are going to be playing slash DMing and rotating through and trying all sorts of different you know systems and settings and uh, telling different stories. And, and you know we'll, we'll spend a good amount of time on one and then we'll mix it up and try something different and maybe even rotate who the... The DMs are, and, and along the way, we'll of course have episodes that aren't gameplay focused, that are instead us talking through, you know, how we go about planning a session or talking about the things that we think about when we're role playing a character, and just sort of exploring this shared hobby that the three of us have, and and that even outside of our friendships, we've been involved with for many many years. So. Um, Almost Legends is going to be just that. That's going to be releasing uh, with, uh, you know, full episodes uh, coming in March. Um, So you can uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, We did have the teaser, about a 15-minute sort of teaser of the story. Uh, That was at the end of the last episode. Mark, are we going to put that up on um, on our feed again, just individually, or...? Yeah, we certainly can. Uh, we'll put up, maybe we'll put it up uh, even this week with, along with this episode, we'll also maybe drop later in the week. Uh, you can come back and find the Almost Legends teaser, and it will be just that, just the teaser, so you can check it out. And then, of course, um, it will also be the introduction to episode one of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. So in March, uh, the beginning of March, you can episode, expect episode zero, which will introduce you to the characters. And then at the end of March, uh, you'll be able to get episode one, uh, it's like the third week in March, I think. Episode one, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to give you a uh, start with uh, the teaser, like the pilot that we put out. Um, and then it will also release uh, like the rest of the episode. So we're, we're really excited and, about that. So, yeah. And, and you know, um, what's really cool and what we're sort of amped up for is in looking at the scope of things and all the things that we want to do and are excited to do within Almost Legends. Um, we sort of decided that we should start by playing in a setting that we think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with. So hopefully you guys can sort of port over and and feel already at home. Uh, and so we're setting our first little campaign arc uh, in, uh, in Piltover. So it's yep. going to be in the world of Legends of Runeterra set during the events, but not necessarily uh, directly tied into... Uh, the uh, Arcane show, which uh, we're all we all love, and and hopefully, and we know a lot of our listeners have already seen and enjoyed. Um, so that should be a lot of fun to sort of explore that world uh, and and feel like uh, part of that 
that universe that we've spent years podcasting about uh, in uh, yeah. in card game form. So, and really, honestly, have have really loved the lore of because we've already mm-hmm. played Dungeon and Dragons 5.0 in the Runeterra universe. Uh, we played about it's I true. don't know maybe a 12 session, 12 15 session game, something like that uh, yeah. in Targon, um, and uh, thwarted a uh, uh, sort of a cult that was seeking uh, to combine and create a, a demonic entity. Uh, not unlike Nocturne or Tom Kench, um, mm-hmm. with uh, a celestial entity, not unlike the chosen like uh, Yumi that we're going to talk about today, or uh, Diana, um, or or Leona, um, who are and all along the way we had to celestial. deal with we had to deal with uh, tensions between the Lunari and the Solari, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was a it was a really fun really fun uh, little arc, and and we all had so much passion i think for that world just being able to see the things that we see on those cards realized within a game format so we're we're looking forward to doing that again but this time with a little bit of steampunky flair yeah very excited about that and uh if you listen to episode zero you'll get introduced to the characters introduced to some of the plot a little bit of kind of like what's going on in the world um but it does take place not just in the world of arcane but during the events of arcane so we'll absolutely be letting you know what episodes it's going to take place during um, and what characters you might expect to see that are in Arcane that may, you know, may, you may be able to see or expect to see inside this as well. Uh, and so it's kind of a story that's adjacent to, um, but deeply ah, impacted adjacent? by... The, adjacent? Oh, adjacent, <laughs> to, adjacent to, but deeply impacted by the events and what is going on in the show, show Arcane and what's going on in Piltover during that time so we're excited about that Mm -hmm. Uh, and all that's only possible because of our awesome patrons so all of our patrons over at patreon.com slash legendscast we want to say thank you for all of your support Uh, many of you guys have been supporting us for a really long time we just want to say thank you thank you for all that you've done you're making it possible uh for us to do what we're doing and there will be uh you know more stuff in the future i know a couple of people um you know you may decide "Eh, it's not really for me I don't not, but some of you have, you know, continued to support us despite the fact that we've been doing some new things. So thank you to all of you. Uh, that is allowing us to do a lot of things like get new logos, launch Camp Legend, um, you know, get the audio that we need. All of that sort of stuff um, is is being made possible to launch this new show because of you. Uh, and uh, along with that is the the Legends Guest Discord League, which is going on. So thank you so much for. Um, all of that uh but we have lots of news lots of cards to talk about we're gonna hit sort of the high points of several of those things but uh i i have we have one news item that we want to make sure we talk about before we get into card talk so let's go ahead and jump in to our main segments for tonight by talking about some lor news only fools hesitate So in addition to a new expansion of guards that's going to be coming out, that's going to be wrapping up sort of the Bandle Woods season and the final faction that's going to be added to Legends of Runeterra, we also got a little bit of news that told us that they are going to be permanently removing expeditions with the launch of a new patch that'll be coming out in May. The exact wordage was with the a release, I believe, of this uh, patch that's going to be coming out uh, the day that this show releases, they are going to remove the limitations on spending expedition tokens. Typically, you were able to spend three a week. Then you were able to do free play that had worse rewards. Now you're going to be able to spend any amount that you want 
over the course of the week so you can even cash those things in and just get your epic card you know over and over and just surrender surrender build deck surrender surrender uh and cap and cash all of those things in if you don't want to play expedition keep in mind there's like free epic capsules for every expedition uh thing that you token that you've gathered they're going to quit giving out those expedition tokens um uh, at the uh sort of like in the weekly stuff that you would get from your weekly vaults um and then they're going to be getting rid of expedition as a format entirely like i said in the month of may and i was an expedition i i streamed when i streamed lor i streamed almost exclusively expeditions so i had a couple of thoughts and feelings about this they did give a lot of reasonings behind it as well mostly it's just not getting the player base that they would like it to now that they've launched uh the path of champions and stuff but i was curious to know because dbn and i have not had a chance to have any discussion about this at all uh what your thoughts were on that dbn i mean i you weren't a huge expedition player to begin with i don't think uh but i was just curious about what you what you thought about them mm -hmm. removing expeditions and not replacing it at least at this point with any other uh you know competitive draft format yeah well that that's the thing right like it, they're not replacing it with something else except they kind of did right so yeah path of champions gives you a better vibe of quote-unquote drafting and or you know building a deck getting dealing with what you're offered and and that experience of the deck building component is not only uh you know better in path of champions uh but it's it's free people can just jump in and do that right yeah i feel like that's kind of what path of champions was always meant to be is replacing that now granted i'm sure there are people out there that are like well i liked fighting other people and real people and not just just bots and i get it um you know i i never got into the expedition in uh element in runeterra and I also didn't really get into it in um, Tessel and in Hearthstone. Tessel's I would really only wasn't very good. Well, and I never didn't love Hearthstones that much outside of uh, playing it with Gibby on road trips, like just sort of doing it together for the fun of it and the challenge. Right. We just sort of co-op a, a expedition run or whatever, an arena run. But I, I, I just it's funny because. Playing physical card games, I adore drafting, right? And actually, I I have a, a pretty strong throughout my days playing L5R versus system. Um, I have a really strong record as a as a competitive drafter, but for some reason on digital card games, it's never really felt right. Um, because you miss out on the most important element, in my opinion. Uh it's kind of more like the sealed than truly drafting. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I loved the idea of being able to monitor what cards weren't there when an opponent took them uh, from one pack and then being like, okay, they're probably going for X, Y, or Z and then shifting my drafting strategy halfway through to basically select cards that would either deal with the things that I'm seeing getting picked or select cards that, uh, or or wait on cards that I know won't mess with their strategy, so I can prioritize better picks. Right, um, that's the best part about drafting, in my opinion. So until they get to that point, it's never going to interest me. However, 
at the end of the day, it always sucks to see something disappear from a game. Sure. Like, the worst thing that has ever happened in Runeterra, in my opinion, outside of Blade Dance, was when they removed cross-charred play. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, it still sucks. It's still not back. And I, I get the feeling, while this isn't going to be quite as bad as that, in a year from now, somebody is going to be jumping on the, the Reddit and complaining about this. This is going to be another one of those thorns in their side that I get the decision. But you have to remember that even though the majority of people aren't playing it, there is going to be a minority that can be vocal and will end up feeling more present than it actually is. I, I, I'm kind of worried for the, the, I guess, the communication surrounding the game, the culture surrounding the game, because gamers are, 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 are fickle and mm. they are not understanding or forgiving of things. And the simple truth is 700 people might say, I don't like it. I don't care that it's gone. Right. And they'll never post, you know, a post after maybe the first week saying that. Sure. But sure, sure. the three people for every 700 that loved it will go, it won't get forgiven. And whether they quit the game or whether they, you know, continue to just not let it go. It, this is going to, I'm worried. I feel like this is going to be a thorn in their side, you know, for the rest of the existence of the game, or at least until they bring it back. And that's the thing, right? I, I feel like they're going to, at some point, feel this pressure that they have to bring it back. And my whole point was, why did they ever start with it? Um, <laughs> uh, you know, I think a lot of digital, like most digital card games have a drafting format. Um I, I haven't played it in a long time. I My opinion is I'll probably miss it um, because I did enjoy it when I would do it. Um, so I, I, I think it will make me, I don't know if I'll be really sad, but I think there'll be times when I wish I could do a draft. Um, I think one of the, I think one of the things, one of the reasons that draft has not been as popular in Runeterra as it is in a game like Hearthstone or other games is because so often players in those other games don't have access to all of the cards and aren't going to get access mm. to all of the cards. And so there's this twofold thing that happens, right? You get to play draft, you get to play suboptimal decks, so there's cards that typically in your collection wouldn't see play that are now seeing play. And then you also have people who get to build their collection while playing and experimenting with cards that they can't get their hands on. Well, that's not so much needed in a game like Legends of Runeterra because so many people have so many of the cards. If you want to play a card, you just create craft the card and you're you know you're good to go and even if you're new to the game you know pretty shortly after being new to the game if you are new to the game like why would you do that it's not the best way to get cards in the game either in runeterra now path of champions is the best way so if you are a new player and you want to learn how to play the cards like just go choose the champion that you want to experiment with or learn in path of champions and it's going to give you better rewards than expedition it's going to be shorter than expedition you're not going to get frustrated you're not going to get stomped on by other players so you have a safer place to learn the game so like everything that drafts did typically do in a game like hearthstone it, like path of champions does all of those things what it doesn't do no digital card games have done like like the stuff that you get in like a physical card game draft you weren't getting that in hearthstone anyway right 
the reason that people played draft in hearthstone was to build their collection a quicker and easier way to build their collection that's why people did it for the most part so i don't know that you're really losing much but i do hope they basically said we don't know when we're going to revisit this like hey maybe you'll hear something later this year we're not really sure we don't know when we're going to come back to this if we come back to it um and I, I i hope that they do i hope that they come up with something in innovative and fun and competitive for a new drafting format in the future that's my only hope it's like hey if you're gonna get rid of this fine but don't get rid of us this and tell us we're gonna try to bring something back in the future and then and then we don't hear about it until like 2026 like okay that's fine but like come up with a cool new drafting format this wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing pat the champions replaced it totally get it give us something new you know with the new year or something it's kind of you, you know my issue I think with Expedition, more than anything, especially when you get those quests, like, oh, you have to spend mana in Expedition to get Prismatics or whatever. It took so long. I mean, longer Very than long. any of the other, you know, because you could theoretically go win-loss, 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 win-loss seven times and play 14 games or whatever. I think 14, right? Or 13. And 13 win, and then do it win again. a run. <laughs> Yeah, and then yeah, and then do a second one for the price, but uh, before you get your reward. I don't know, man. It, it it was too much. The 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 economy was all off. The amount of time you were expected to commit to it was off. Um, I mean, I I look. I, would I mean, between do one stream for, and I would stream for three hours and complete not one full run, one half of one expedition token. Look, I I played it. Uh, granted, I streamed Tessel. Okay. So big asterisk here, right? But I, I would go out to say, like, I, I think between Tesla Hearthstone and, and LOR, LORs was my least favorite of the arena, expedition, whatever formats. Mm. I don't like the buckets. I never did. I want full control over every single card in my deck, right? So having sure. the buckets uh, pissed me off because I would often be like, I don't, I actively don't want this last card, right? But I don't have a decision point for an alternative. Sure. Um, and so I, I think between that and how long it took, um, and also like there, I I think that the rarity situation kind of threw it off too, where like a lot of epics, sh epics should be this really powerful, really cool card. Like that's what Hearthstone sort of got right, which was like, yeah, tended to be epics in the game. Yeah, and and when you pull an epics, epics were widely applicable. Most of the time, right? But epics and LOR tend to be extremely niche, right? Mm -hmm. So when you'd get an epic offered, it would often feel crappy because you're like, I, there's no way I can use this. Um, so it, it just, uh, I, I don't want to say good riddance, but I, 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 uh, I honestly am saying I, I would, I'm eager to see what they do with that bandwidth within their team because, yeah, and, and I hope it's, and I hope it it does end up producing something, you know, more, uh, maybe you know whether it's more Path of Champion stuff, uh, whether it's more you know, content within the the sort of release schedule coming forward. Um, I I think that there's a lot of opportunity for limited time modes. Wouldn't mind seeing a puzzle mode. Um, there's some really cool stuff out there that can be explored, and and um, I think freeing up. You know, how often did we see patches where it was like, change this bucket to this bucket, change that bucket to that bucket. 
And I'm sorry, how many people were testing that that felt that those things needed to be changed compared to the amount of people that actually cared about it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was, so. it was stealing resources that it really shouldn't be stealing and they weren't getting the return on investment. I'm actually happy with the decision to remove it if they come back with a new competitive draft format that works better and does something different in the future. I'm unhappy if it gets removed and we never hear anything about a competitive draft format ever again. Like, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I'm all for axing something that wasn't working so that you can free up the bandwidth on your team to build something that will. Like, that totally makes sense to me. Or even to pivot the team for a season and then pivot back to it and come back to it in the future. Like, hey, we just need more help, you know, over here. And we can't get that help unless we free up some resources somewhere. I totally understand that, Mm -hmm. you know. I'm sure LOR has a lot more resources than a lot of games, but they don't have infinite resources. So, you know, there's there's stuff that they got to be, they have to pick and choose. Every company has to. And yep. um, I, it seems like they're picking and choosing. In, in my thought, it makes sense that if you had to get rid of something to free up room for something else, that this is the thing, right? This makes sense. It's sure. obviously not seeing a ton of play since Path of Champions well, comes out. But I, I will say, whether I think that I think you're right. I think it is a good decision. But I'm just going to say it. The optics of it aren't great. Right? No. It no. never looks good to take something away from people. Um, even if it was free. You know, um, if you, it's not like it's a limited time mode that they advertise. It's only going to be here for a bit, right? Don't get attached. I mean, this is, you know, been there for, what, a year and a half? How long has it been out? Two, Two years? years? Two years. So, I mean, <laughs> it, it never looks good to take something away from 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 people so um i i i i'm just going to be interested to see how the how the storm does or doesn't blow over and whether (laughs) people actually react to it the way i think they're going to react to it which is a very vocal minority not letting it go yeah literally every patch notes from now for the rest of eternity there's going to be somebody saying what about arena mode? What about the new arena mode? When are you yeah. going to release the draft format? Like, yeah, like, like every, know, every single one, there'll be somebody asking right on the Reddit post. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the thing is, is that seeing that I, I worry will end up warping the decision-making of the, of the design Bring team, but back. you know what? That's their job. Sure. Not ours. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's get dude, into some, have... some card reviews. I'm, yeah, I'm lots of some cards. of these things. Yeah, new cards, new mechanics to talk about. We're going to talk about each of them tonight and uh, look at the champions and new mechanics. Let's go ahead and dive into new card conversation. What the is that? Okay, guys, new cards coming out, of course, uh, at the release of this episode within a handful of hours. uh, It will, the new stuff will be out and you'll be able to, you know, uh, play with these new cards. Uh, We're going to look at the two new keywords, uh, and then each of the four new champions that are going to be coming to LOR, we're going to be having discussion about each of them. Um, and so, and, and you know what, a little bit of stuff about each one as well. So let's talk about the first mechanic that we saw, you know, ahead of time, which is uh, we saw the the attach mechanic come out uh, on Yumi, and I think a couple of other cards also get attached. And I, you know what, I've been trying to track out, track down, like, what is it exactly? Because it's not a super easy thing to understand. So the basic idea is, is you have a unit with attach. When you pay its mana cost, you have a choice 
to attach it to something that uh, uh, is like on the board, a unit that's on the board, or to play it to the board just as a creature. If you attach it to something, if you play it on the board, it's a creature, it's a creature. If you attach it to something, um, that creature gains its stats and I think also gains its keywords. So play on me to give an ally my keywords and stats while I'm attached. And when it leaves play, recall me. So let's say you put a 1-1 one, one with quick attack onto something, attach it to it. That creature would get plus 1, plus 1 and get quick attack. And whenever that creature died, that 1-1 one, one with quick attack with attach as well would return back to your hand. Um, you could also attach multiple things to a unit and that unit will continue to get the stacks uh if the unit uh, uh, uh sorry if continues to get the stacks and, and gets the uh the keywords as well um you can silence the thing but if you silence the thing it will not silence the things that are attached to it so silence cards can only affect the base unit not the attaching unit the extra keywords and stats from the attaching unit will not be removed if you silence it same exact way with frostbite. So let's say you frostbite a 2-2 that has a 2-2 attached to it. It would usually be a 4-4. That thing, instead of being a 0-4, will become a 2-4 because you cannot frostbite the thing that is attached to it. You cannot target the thing that, that that's attached. So you can't... So th there's so many things. There's so many things. Um... The one thing that it does do is obliterate. Obliterate will obliterate the base unit and the attached unit. Uh, so the unit that's attached, obliterate will deal with it, but just killing it won't. There's so many, like, so, literally so many mechanics that are so, so hard to see how they would interact. But a lot of people, when it first came out, were kind of thinking, this seems super, super busted um, because of it just seems like you can't interact with it in a whole lot of ways. There's a lot of other stuff that can be talked about. Um, transforming doesn't transform the unit, just like silencing doesn't. It doesn't transform the attached units. Whatever you, like if you mini morph it and silence it, that mini morph silence thing is going to be a 3 3 plus the keywords and the attached stats of the unit. So it's like a nerf to mini morph um, as well because it's not going to get rid of both. So many things that uh, is, is kind of hard. To, to wrap your mind around with this. DBN, what were your thoughts on the attached keyword? Because it's a very complex keyword. Um, and I think a little divisive as well. Yeah. Um, my opinion on it is quite frankly that I feel like people are overreacting to it. Okay. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't really. So, so there's mechanics like this in magic, right? um where you can uh like basically overpay for something and attach it to uh, a creature only reason i know this and i'm not a big fan of magic is because i bought a starter deck one time and that's what it did okay um, okay where you had this mechanic where you could like overpay for a, a creature slap it on a um another as creature. an attachment and then when that creature died i think the attachment came to life as its own thing now this okay. doesn't do that, but this instead, when that if that creature dies, it bounces back to the hand, I believe, right? Yep. Yes, it recalls back yeah. to the hand. So, uh, my my thoughts on this is basically look, 
going tall is not that not that consistently good unless you can sure. protect the tall units with things like spell shield and whatnot, which then of course costs more mana and adds think cards to your deck. It slows right? it down. Yep. All slows those. it down. And let's say, you know, you invest X amount of resources into attaching something to get whatever benefit is, and then it gets killed. Sure, that card goes back to your hand. And so from a perspective of like, you know, hand preservation, it's a good mechanic. From the perspective of mana efficiency, it doesn't seem very good. Um, mm. You know, because... It's, well, a lot of the attached units are pretty expensive, too. Yeah, and it's consolidating resources onto a single thing. And yep. even if you slap Spell Shield on it, it's going to get pokey sticked and then darknessed or, uh, <laughs> sure. or or whatever like I, monster harpoon yeah monster harpoon uh vengeance. vengeance yeah vengeance is discounted so um i i don't think it's i don't think it's gonna be bad i just i just don't think it's something to overreact to just because you can't can't like counter it with a silence like come on guys it, it, it's not the end of the world that you can't kill everything with mini morph uh <laughs> you know something needs to, <laughs> needs to survive that and i don't know it, it my my guess if i here's here i'll have it because i feel like it's expected me here's my issue with uh attach it's it's got a laundry list of weird interactions that you kind of have to know to really play around it effectively um mm -hmm. or really even play with it effectively like knowing what things affect them what things don't affect them in what ways the order in which the cards get removed or not removed or whatever just make it a little um clunky it's not it's not elegant uh in yeah. my opinion and that's maybe my main complaint with it i'll also say i don't think it looks like that much fun uh, but maybe I'm just partial to uh, some of the other things that look like a lot of fun that we're going to talk about. So maybe it's just by comparison it doesn't look like that much fun. Sure, yeah. I, You know, I I think overall the most of the attached cards aren't going to be great. I think Yumi's going to be good. I think yes. Yumi's very good. Um, just And we'll get into that, but like giving things spell shield and she's not expensive and her stats are fine. Like, that that's fine like that's gonna be good um mm -hmm. and so i think that yumi is gonna be really great i'm not sure that there's a lot of other attached creatures that we've seen that i'm like oh my god like i've looked at the rest of them and i'm like yeah it probably is gonna cost too much like it's probably gonna be too slow mm -hmm. and you know aggro decks in this game typically go wide like they don't usually go big with overwhelmed stuff like aggressive decks typically especially after bandle city they just go really wide and so you don't re like sometimes you're just gonna want a 2-2 on the board instead of attaching this to something. Um, but I do think that Yumi's cool. Exactly what deck she lands in, I don't know. Probably something with Pantheon. Um, you mm -hmm. know, we're going to go over her here in just one second. But, uh, yeah, so I, overall, I think Attach is, I think, a little bit of an overreaction. I think the number one concern for me is the average new player who comes in and uh, and is trying to figure out why... This frostbite, why this silence, why this transform, why this recall, why none of my crap is working the way it should. You know, they're going to frostbite five things, and then they're going to not realize that Yumi is a creature attached to something. They're going to frostbite that thing, 
think they're going to win the trade, not look at the eye, and then lose the trade because the stats from the attack well, actually, is going to be staying on it. Just for consistency, I think Frostbite still does put it to zero because it's a set as opposed to... Uh... Oh, does it? Did I miss but, that? But, but, I'm, but I'm with you, like silence or, or whatever, you know? Um, so it's, it's, it's still a little complicated. It, uh, recalling an attached oh, unit right, right. doesn't trigger as, as a, so if there's a unit with an attached unit on it, it still only costs as like one, uh, recall progress instead of two. So for things like Ari or Yasuo or whatever. Um, yeah. so there, there, there's just a lot of intricacies. And again, that's where it, it doesn't feel elegant because you have this this list of all these interactions that you have to keep track of where it's not a consistent interaction yeah um, it's gonna be hard to figure out the, uh, fact yeah. that, the fact that i didn't realize that like i read frostbite and still didn't understand how it interacted i thought it was the same as silence like the fact that when you steal something you don't get the attached unit the unit detaches and goes back yeah. to your hand uh it's, yeah, like it's they have to messy. have a specific thing for concurrent timelines in this. Like, just like mm -hmm. how does this one singular card interact with attach? Uh, I think that's going to be a little hard for people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ag agreed. I, I mean, I think Yumi is is quite strong. Um, I mean, a, a, a giving something a buff every turn that's pretty cool. Um, and getting the level where you also get a uh, spell shield. Sure. Uh, that's pretty great too. Uh, so I, but I, again, the other guys, the other, uh, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to say one last thing on, on this and then we can move on. The other, uh, attached guys are not only overpriced, but if you draw them and you don't have other units, you're basically forced to play these units to then use the attaches from the other guys. Yeah, which is not great. Uh, which is extremely suboptimal. I mean, I, as cool as it is to spend two mana to grant something quick attack and plus one, plus one, uh, if you have to play it as a unit, if you have to play the quick quill as a unit, a two mana one, one with, with quick attack is getting it's nothing accomplished. So bad. So it's so bad. atrociously bad. So the ability, if you're playing a full attune or attached Attach. deck, uh, the ability to brick your hand is going to be uh, pretty high. Um, yep. and, and so I, I just think it's going to be, it's going to fall flat because that's, I, I am willing to be wrong as with all things, uh, again, you know, we can't see these in play and until we see them in, in play and see the full, you know, range of interactions, we can't know for sure. So maybe next week we'll be walking this back, but I just look at this and I say, just don't see how this can stand up to a lot of other things that are just so much more mana efficient. Pirate aggro. Let me just go over Yumi real quick, and then we'll swap over to the next one and talk about the next ability. You can run us through that, DBN. Yumi's a sure. three mana, two, two with attach. Uh, round start, grant the unit I'm attached to plus one, plus one. So it's a permanent plus one, plus one blow up. Otherwise, grant me plus one, plus one. She levels up when she or the unit that she's attached to uh, have attacked three times. Uh, so it's something that she's going to have to see um, uh, from what I'm reading. She's Bandle City and Targon. By the way, her leveled up form, three mana, three, three with attach and spell shield. So she's going to give spell shield to the thing she attaches to. Obviously, a three mana, three, three mana spell that gives plus three, plus three in spell shield and returns to your hand after your creature dies is insane. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. You can get it leveled up. 
And then she has when I level up or round start, grant the unit I'm attached to spell shield and plus one plus one. So that spell shield gets popped off. No big deal. You're going to get a new one next round and a plus one plus one over and over again. Like, yeah, okay. You can see why leveled up Yumi, like in a deck where she's the support for your other win con that you really want to protect your character, mm -hmm. like say Pantheon, who's going to get a plus two, plus, plus three, plus three spell shield, another plus one, plus one from Faded, and then is also going to get plus one, plus one in spell shield every round after that. Like, okay, yeah, you can see why mm -hmm. Yumi was created so well for Faded and so well for Pantheon. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you keep getting her back to your hand and no one can target her and get rid of her pretty hard to deal with. Um, so I, yeah, I think Yumi's a really cool card. We're going to pass it over to DBN though. We don't need to talk about it much more. Um, you can either tell us what your additional thoughts about Yumi, if you have any, or just move on to our next stuff. Nah, I think we've, we've sort of, uh, hit the end of our, uh, our road here with, with Yumi, but, uh, I, th I mean, I think she'll be great. I just think the rest of the package is going to be meh. Yeah. Um, but let's let's move over to uh, well to our our good friends in Demacia. Demacia is going to be sort of leading the charge on a new keyword. That's pretty exciting. Uh, this keyword is formidable. Formidable. So um, formidable is way more simple than attach. Uh, basically, oh, yes. uh, when it strikes, uh, you use your defense instead of your attack big butts butt punch mm -hmm. it's a butt punch. uh demacia likes big butts and they tend to not lie about it uh there mm -hmm. there's there's some really interesting implications of this uh both with the new cards that are going to be coming out as well as the existing card pool so there's there's a lot of interesting stuff here to go through but I guess uh, let's start with maybe we should start with the champion that this is built around and sort of talk about the package as a whole. I think Does that's that makes smart. sense. Yeah, yeah I, I think that makes the most sense. Uh, so we have the big giant angelic statue man himself, Galio. Uh, Galio is a new Demacia champ. Uh, it is just Demacia, not Bilgewater Demacia. I feel like that's important to clarify because you can't tell these days. Uh, <laughs> you never know. Uh, sure. It is a uh, seven mana, zero attack, eight defense. It comes down with spell shield and formidable. It says, when I'm summoned, grant other allies plus three defense. Okay, so it, it, it immediately comes in and bolsters the defense of everything else on board. I really like this, right? Because you've got so a important. lot of, right. You have an instant effect. That's been the issue with, with Malphite this whole time is it comes down and it, unless it comes down leveled, which you can do, it requires a lot of commitment, but if it comes down by itself, it's basically just a big thing and that's it. It is yeah. nothing to help your board until it gets leveled. I love that level one Galio has an immediate impact upon uh, entering play and it's a really good one uh, especially if you are playing a deck built around formidable um so okay Honestly, so what is it if you're not like even if you're not and it just makes your whole board beefier like yeah that, i mean yeah. that that's pretty helpful <laughs> it's just great like it's just a, yeah. it's just a good like if you have three things on the board and it just shells out nine health to your board like yeah oh yeah sure. i mean it's that's great it's a, it's a good investment of your of your mana. Uh -huh. Um so so it's level up. Round end. 
your allies have 25 plus total health. It's kind of like our uh, our good uh, friend the dragon in uh, in, in Targon, um, and uh, but it's it's health instead. And of course, his ability immediately begins feeding that right uh, mm-hmm. because he can come down and drop that plus three on all of your on all of your allies. So then at level uh, up, at level up, you get plus one defense. That's the standard. Does not get the plus one attack. This is now the only champion that does not get a plus two stat distribution upon leveling up. However, uh, in addition to its summoned effect, granting allies plus three defense, it says each round, the first time an ally takes damage, rally. Ooh, Which boy. is nutty. That's so good. Yeah, uh, we got some more Demacia rally. You know, I like rally in Demacia. I, I I do. I like rally as a mechanic. Um, I, I don't love free attacks, but I like rally, especially because mm-hmm. rally tends to be on, uh, you know, fast at the at the fastest fast speed, but usually it tends to be on slow speed spells. Um, so, OK, we have another uh, rally option in here. It's on a pretty, I, I, I guess I would say uh Difficult to bring down, but you have to remember with formidable that eight defense. If he's going to attack, that eight defense is going to get whittled down at twice the speed. So um that's the thing with formidable. If you attack, yeah, you'll do the eight attack, but then if you lose three in the trade, uh next turn your uh attack is only going to be worth five, right? So you have to keep your things either healed or continue to buff them up. Um, because formidable uh allows you to get overstatted attack points on your things, but it does mean that that they're not trading up as they get weakened, which yep. is something that normally statted units can do. If you if your 7-7 ends up at a 7-1, it is just as effective uh, on its final attack as it was on its first attack, but that's not going to be the case with Formidable. It's a unique trade-off. Um, so, so, Mark, what are your thoughts overall on Galio in a bubble? And then, and then we'll sort of break out into his supporting cast. You know, I think that Formidable is interesting, and I love that it exists. I'll be honestly, the thing that I'm more excited about with Formidable is one of his supporting cast members, which can, through support, give Formidable. Mm-hmm. Because I think the more interesting conversation is what does Formidable do to existing cards and champions that typically you couldn't play or like now take on a whole different angle right before they were a defensive option mm-hmm. now you can get aggressive with them i think that's interesting um i galio at seven is probably one of the best seven drop champions seven and up drop champions that we have six and up drop champions i would think i'm just trying to run through in my head you know like malphite trindamir a soul mm-hmm. you know some of the other expensive champions that we do have in the game. And I think that Galio's drop ability is strong. It's so bad if you don't have board, though, which I think is why it's important that Galio's in Demacia. You typically, on turn seven, do still have decent control of the board. I don't know who you play this with. Like, a lot of the other pairs that we've gotten uh, so far, you know, Vigar and Senna, uh, even, you know, Freljord, what we're going to see today, um... You know, some of our other pairs between the, you know, Ari and Kennen um, went together. Poppy and Galio, 
don't go together as cleanly as some of the other Bandle City Yurtles with their corresponding, you know, only in that region champion. Um, so I don't know who I'm playing Galio with, but I, you know, I'm certainly thinking of playing Galio with Braum. Mm -hmm. I think I would be silly not to. I think I, I'm thinking about playing Galio with um, with Jarvan because why why wouldn't you want Jarvan to come down on six and then have Galio come down on seven and buff yeah. him? Yeah. Um, and if you can level Galio, he's he's more of a game ender probably than um, uh, he's probably more of a game ender than Jarvan or not Jarvan uh, Garen leveled up. And the last thing that I would say is like okay like. How do I get regen on this guy? Like, what faction can I play him with to find a way through either random keywords or, you know, like the troll? Would the troll give him regen, or does that, is that specific to attack? No, uh, no, it, it would. Um, the, the troll gifts can give anything regeneration, and then if it already has regeneration, it gives plus two, plus two. Okay, yeah, because I would want to, like, obviously regen and formidable are pretty bonkers, right? Yeah. Because you're basically paying seven mana for an 8-8 eight, eight in terms of attack that's buffing your board. Yes. Um, I, formidable yes. is just interesting. I almost wish this had more life. Maybe it would mm -hmm. be busted. Maybe it wouldn't be. Um, mm, I thought, we'll I sort see. of thought at first, like, formidable, like, maybe they should, like, have over-buffed health. And instead of formidable just being when you strike, it be like it happens when you attack and strike instead of when you defend and strike. So they're like, they're, but then, you know, they, they're terrible defenders then. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how it will play out. I'm glad that you're excited about it, though. So give me your thoughts on it and Galio in a bubble. Yeah. So, well, Galio in a bubble, I think, is, well, it's hard to evaluate in a bubble, but but the big thing is the spell shield, right? And and that tells us what we That's need to true. know, which is that um, this thing is meant to stick around. It want they want you to get it uh, level. They want you to play this um, not in an aggressive shell as a finisher, but instead um, as sort of the enabling factor uh, for turns eight through ten. Um, and being able to close out games uh, in such a way that you are building a board, and that board may not have elusive, it may not have uh, overwhelm, but you're basically saying I am going to attack you over and over again uh, until you you fold and you can't continue to defend it, which is very Demacian, and I oh, really yeah. appreciate that sort of direction. And the spell shield is is like I said, that tells you what you need to know. That says they want this to live outside of the first turn it drops um, because they want to see that level up. They want to see those rallies. Um, so to me, I look at this and I say, this is very much, um, you know, a board-based proactive mid-range, you know, style list, right? They, they, this, as I look at this and I look at supporting cast, I think this could be incredible with Braum. I think there's some obvious synergies between being able to give Braum formidable. Uh, he already has regeneration. You mentioned the troll gifts, which I was going to bring up. Uh, troll gifts can give Braum that plus two, plus two, which allows him to start doing damage to things. Or uh, it can grant Galio or another formidable thing, regeneration, which it will need to be able to recover its health after making a trade. Um, sure. You have things like Take Heart, 
which you could potentially run uh, when something's damaged to be able to you know give it that plus three plus three. There's a, there's a lot going on uh, between those two synergies and and between the ability of like a scar grounds or something potentially to you know move in a more ping based direction. But you don't have to. You can also just simply move it in a buff direction, right? Because there's a lot of defensive buffs uh, in both factions, right? And this Absolutely. new buff, the one that's attached to Galio, is called Shield of Durand. Uh, it's a three-mana burst speed spell. It grants an ally plus three. So it's a at, at three mana, it grants plus three. And then at the start of the next round, it'll grant another plus two defense. So you've got all of these tools between the two factions to keep your formidable guys healthy and swinging. And then, of course, you're looking at uh, like a card like Durand Architect, which curves perfectly into Braum. I know I'm basically building a deck here now, but uh, that's what's oh, yeah. been on my mind. <laughs> uh, you know, but but Durand Architect on three, Braum on four. If you're swinging on four, you get to go, okay, my Architect swings in. Braum now has plus two and formidable. I'm now attacking with a 7-7 seven, seven that wants to take damage and then will heal up on the next turn. And need I remind you, Braum will be able to level up a lot faster if he's consistently threatening the opponent and saying, hey, I'm pulling your stuff over and I have enough things to protect me to keep boosting my defense. And once it's leveled, starts summoning little Poros. Those guys are going to love it when Braum comes down and drops a plus three bonus on them and helps him level. Sure. And they have overwhelm. So, you know, there's, there's just a lot of synergy. I'll also say, I just want to highlight one card in particular that I think is going to be very, very good. Like really okay, good. Okay, yeah, yeah. Which, which card is that? I'm curious. That's, that's the Petrosite Broadwing. The Petrosite Broadwing uh, okay. is a two mana. It's just the it's just Demacia. Two mana, zero three, with formidable and challenger. So effectively, on the first time it swings, it's a two mana three three when it challenges one of your units. I wow. mean, what doesn't that clear on two? You know? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, uh, I mean like everything for the most part. Yeah, right? and most <laughs> things on three. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, and I think that some of the other formidable cards, you know, we have like things like the Petrosite Stag, you know, which actually doesn't have formidable, but it will take damage for the supported ally. The idea there is the Stag will swing with the formidable unit, and instead of the formidable unit that's big, you know, taking some of its health down and becoming weaker as a whole, the the, the Petrosite Stag would take that instead. You got like the Durand protege that can give something tough tough is going to be another great keyword to farm out onto these uh formidable units so that over time they don't kind like they don't degrade quite as uh, much which actually brings me to one of my sort of things that i harp on i found myself harping on more and more as the game's gone on uh which is the theme of it all i love the idea that these big statue formidable guys are degrading over time they're very effective at the beginning and then they just sort of take damage you get chipped away and they start crumbling under the pressure like a big chunk of stone i don't know i think it's really cool i think it's really really cool and and there's just um there's just a uniqueness to this mechanic that just asks you to think about combat in a different way that i just love that they're including yeah yeah no i i could i I can totally agree with that. I, I think it's cool. I think it's it's so fun that we actually have something in Demacia that isn't just what we've had. You know what I mean? Mm, like like swarmy. It, 
Yeah, it it's just something new. And we haven't had something new in Demacia that made Demacia feel kind of cool and unique. I mean, it's just all been swarmy. Demacia, I mean, Demacia doesn't have many unique keywords, period. Well, it's and, not, and Jarvan like came rally. down as another elite. And so it didn't feel like it was making a new archetype. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, in Poppy, it was just like a go-wide mechanic. Like, that's all that it ended up being, you know? Um so yeah, I'm I'm all about it. I'm excited for it. Let's move on though, because there's another champion. This one does not come with a new keyword, but man, does it come with a lot of new stuff. And that new champion is our first Frailyord champion, our non-pilt over or our non-bandlewood uh, uh, champion version, and it is Udir. Now Udir is this sort of like shaman type character that can shape shift into all sorts of different forms in game and uh, in LOR or LOL, and in LOR, kind of the same. So Udir is a five mana four four that reads when I am summoned or strike, create a stance swap in hand. If you have one, reduce its cost to zero. Um, and then uh, it says uh, I, you've damaged the enemy nexus seven plus times this game. Keeping in mind, this is not seven different rounds. This is seven plus times this game because I did kind of misunderstand that. Mm -hmm. uh, it was mm -hmm. like... I. I didn't grasp that quite correctly. And then uh, when he is leveled up, it says when I am summoned. He's a five mana, five, five. When I am summoned or strike, create a stance swap in hand. If you have one, reduce its cost to zero. I have plus one, plus one for each stance you've cast this game. So what are the stances, you ask? Well, it's a good thing you ask. They're all three mana slow spells. Uh, those spells... Are the first one is stance swap. Uh, it, they all just oh no, this is a stance swap. It's just the three mana that changes stance, right? Is that and then you get the stance, or it automatically plays on either way. Um, it's this bear stance, grant an ally uh, plus two plus two, um, so permanent plus two plus two. Uh, boar stance, grant an ally plus zero plus two in regeneration, which is a really interesting idea to play with your new formidable units potentially. Um, a ram stance, uh, slow deal one damage to everything else. So everything but this takes a point of damage, including uh, uh, Nexus. Um, and then wild claw stance. This is uh, grant an ally plus two plus zero and overwhelm, which of course has a lot of very interesting implications to play uh, stances, even with something like a Lee Sin deck, which may give you you know new areas and opportunities to potentially play Lee Sin in, which I think is interesting. So. Uh, I mean, this is a really interesting champion. My first thought was, this is a five mana four four without any keywords. Would I not just play? Like, when do I not just play Trundle instead of this? Like, yeah, that's my my main concern, right? Yeah. So, so the issue here is that Udir, if you want to use the stance swapping mechanic of it, uh, you need to be striking with him, uh, and. The problem is he has no keywords to protect him when striking. He doesn't have quick attack. He doesn't have elusive. He doesn't have fearsome even, right? Uh, which probably wouldn't protect him from, from, you know, a blocker at that stage in the game. Uh, so that means you're forced to support him with spells like Troll Chant or Elixir of Iron, which you have, but is the reward you're getting worth it? Well, stance a free stance swap would be good um mm -hmm. but for all the effort that you just pretend you just risk your champion so to speak 
uh, you can just get a handful of stats that you can get from other things. Sure. Right? And so I, I look at this and I say, none of this is really worth the effort. The ability to stance swap frequently with Udir, I look at and I say, when you evolve him, like I, I think that leveled up form is pretty doable, right? Sure. Getting him yeah. leveled is oh, pretty yes. doable, but the whole reward to get him leveled, the difference between level one and level two is simply he gets plus one, plus one for each stance you've cast this game. Well, how often are you going to have done more than one or two stances unless there was yeah. if, so he's a five mana seven seven with no keywords instead of a five mana five five usually at best right yeah and i mean there are other cards that are around him right that will uh create stance swaps in hand but of course you'll have to pay full price for those because you, if you don't have udir out um and if you can't so so either you're gonna hold a stance swap in hand from the two drop because there's a two mana two two that puts a stance swap in hand when summoned okay cool if you get that before you get udir and then if you get udir on five then when udir comes down you have a free stance swap whoop-de-doo you play it on him he buffs up a little bit when he evolves if he evolves on time he gets a plus one plus one what are you getting out of this? Like, I, I just, I'm struggling. I, I love, look, the stance swap flexibility is neat. Don't get oh, me wrong. Cool. I love the idea that you play it on the thing and then you get to pick between four pretty good options, right? Especially if it can give you overwhelm, right? The the bears or the, um excuse me, um, wild the boar, no, wild claw. Wild Claws plus two, plus zero and overwhelm. Uh, The boar is plus zero, plus two in regen. Yes, there it is. Wild Claw Stance. Yeah, plus two and Overwhelm. That's great. Overwhelm's great. Like, we know this. Oh, I just, yeah. I, oh, I, yeah, I look at this. Obviously. Look, Shaman's Call, right? Six mana burst spell. There's basically, guys, there's, there's three cards that can give you stance swaps other than Udir, right? Um, and the Shaman's Call is a six mana burst spell that creates two fleeting zero cost stance swaps. Hey, look, that's cool. That's really yeah. cool. It is still you know, mana prohibitive, right? It's, it's six yeah. mana. And if you are passing, you can't go past one, past two, and then play this on on three because you'll have no creatures to buff with said stance swaps, right? Yep. So this, this demands that you play units and at some point have enough money to play this and at some point play a new deer. It's just, it, it's going to be so clunky on mana I, I don't see how you can dedicate enough stance swaps to the deck while also getting Udir out on time and have enough cards in the list that are going to consistently ping the Nexus enough to make a difference in leveling him. I just, it, it, they're just a little contradictory here. Individually, there's some really neat ideas, okay? Oh, yes. and, and I actually think the the Vulpine Wanderer is, pre, is actually a pretty good card. Putting a three mana stance swap in your hand for at some point in the game when you don't have something better to play and you want to slap an overwhelm on something. But hey, maybe I actually don't want to overwhelm on something. Maybe I realize by the time I, I play it, I actually need a plus two plus two. You like, can do that. You can do that. That's great. I think Volpine Wanderer, pretty good card, especially for those slower failure decks that we're used to seeing, right? It, it's kind of another, it can sort of fit into that niche right that like your avarosan century was in that it's it's a two drop that 
Its stats are low, but it's going to generate a hand advantage. That's cool. That's really cool. Um, I just I just look at this and I, I say, I don't see what Udyr is offering that other things in Freljord can't do faster or better. Maybe not faster and better, but faster or better. So I, I had two other things. One, somebody said, this is like the Aphelios of, of Freljord. And there's an important difference. Aphelios does not need to attack in order to generate the wide yep. range of value. Because Udyr has to attack, and he does not come with quick attack. He does not come with regen. He does not come with challenger. You almost are never going to want to attack with him. He's almost yep. always going to die. Like, there will almost never be a scenario on board where you can attack with Udyr and have him live against a board-based deck. And there's almost never going to be a time we're going to be able to play a five-mana 4-4 four, four and keep it alive against spells in a non-board-based deck. Like, he, yeah. he falls for the same stuff that Kindred did. Kindred was a five-mana 4-4. Four, four. We've already seen this. It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Yeah, like, and Kindred has quick attack, right? Like, um, uh, and yeah, it still it isn't good enough. Yeah, and yeah, but now I will say the, the the probably what people are going to, uh, the Udyr apologists, we'll call them, uh, they're going to tell me, but but DBN, if you can generate a stance swap with a Volpine Wanderer, then when Udyr comes down, it becomes free. And then you can sure. give him the regeneration, the plus two and defensive regeneration. Now he's a four, six with regen. Okay, but so's Trundle. And you didn't yeah. have to do any of that. And by the way, and, and by he the way, he levels himself up in three turns. So yeah, he levels himself up in three turn in three turns and gets a free an ice pillar on eight that refunds everything. And now you can start giving things vulnerable. Like like, <laughs> yeah. I think the hard thing is the other thing that I wanted to say beyond that Aphelios comment was this: Udyr's art is incredible. Like the art on this card, I mm. freaking love. There's so many of the champions that you get that are like, okay, the level up art, sometimes the level up art is actually worse or a wor like, I just like it less than I like the pre-leveled. And yeah. um, I think he looks really cool. I want his haircut and his beard. Um, <laughs> and, and like, uh, like he's just a really cool, sh like Northland shaman type character. Um, he's almost like, like this is the type of druid in Dungeons and Dragons that I would like to play. Right, yeah. like yeah, 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 like this, this druid, I and I don't even love druids in D D too much. This druid is a druid that I want to be, just a chunky <laughs> Northland druid. And there his level go. up, uh, his his level two, uh, the artwork on level two is very cool. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the glowing eyes and the spirits and everything. Um, so a plus plus on the artwork. Not sure. I'll have to see how it plays out i'm willing to retract it but out of all of the champions that we see in this set this is the one that i can look at and say with the most confidence i know where this fits and it's probably nowhere like yeah i mean not without forcing the archetype you know and, and anybody can probably force an archetype and win with it right um but it and look more power to you i i'm all about that you know off meta life but 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 with me, I try to make my off-meta stuff have a niche that it's filling that something else can't do. It may not be as good as another deck that's similar, but it can do something that that, that deck can't. And I'm just looking at this, and I'm not seeing enough of an edge to say it is worth building into this to achieve 
stance swaps. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah, they're the cool. The payoff isn't good enough. The payoff isn't good enough. It's not, It doesn't push it over the top, right? Uh, but I, I do want to highlight some of the support cards because there's this really neat mechanic that they're doing and, and there's a few um bandal city cards that go with it that have uh you know that are that are similar and we'll get into that into that a little bit more into with the next champion um uh but it, it has everything to do with transforming and i like that because we've already had a hint of that in a couple other cards uh i believe there's a uh mm-hmm. there's a there's that uh was it they're the bear mostly- guy uh, yeah, they're mostly plunder, plunder abilities, are, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, similarly, but these seem to be, um, you know, all about damaging the enemy nexus. And we have a few of them that say round in. If you've damaged the enemy nexus this round, transform them, right? And they, uh, one of them uh, that's really interesting uh, is the one that has regeneration. It's a four mana, three, three, pretty bad stats. But at round end, if you are able to damage the enemy nexus, and it could be from anything... Then it transforms into a four mana five five gets that plus two plus two and it says when I transform draw a unit. Meanwhile, there's one with overwhelm that uh, evolves into a big you know mammoth rager that gets a plus two plus two every round that it grows over time. There's some really neat stuff in here, um, and I don't know where it's gonna land, but I can confidently say that it's a it's a cool mechanical area to be exploring. The idea that you have something come down weak mm-hmm. and then through other effects, especially ones that don't force it to go to combat. Cause again, that's our biggest issue with Udyr here. Um, you're able to flip it into a thing that all of a sudden is that board based presence, that mana efficiency. Um, and so it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see. However, I'm going to point this out one time. And I'm let it go. I'm super, super excited for this new card. Uh, in Freljord, two mana, zero five. When I survive damage, deal one to the enemy nexus. You know I'm gonna be putting that bad boy in my Vlad Brom deck. <laughs> that's going in. Oh that, man. Yeah, that's a good addition to that deck. That's a straight. That, that's a significant buff to that deck, really. And it's going. It basically gives you redundancy in the Crimson Disciple. Uh, slot right where you were playing Crimson Disciple and and some versions of my deck depending on how fast the meta is that's sometimes my only two drop because mm. none of the other two drops do enough right sure and and to me this is really exciting now in in environments where I have to play faster right I'll play that um, that Scar Maiden or whatever that the Ruthless Raider that's what it is the two mana three one with tough and overwhelm yeah. I'll yeah. play that one in a in an environment where my Vlad Brom has to speed up but in a slower environment like why would i play that it doesn't accomplish anything for me but a lot of times there are situations where i have won a ton of games by having crimson disciples out and basically saying crap i can't quite push through the last three points of damage let me ping them a few times over the next turn or two and that's how i'll win right it may not be through combat they may have flipped the board in their favor but i can ping them a couple times uh and and close up the game and this lets me do that with a uh five health back end that scar grounds is gonna love to see so I, oh, i'm yeah. just really excited for and the artwork on bone scryer is dope it actually looks like a a fallen from destiny i don't know if you it actually you noticed yeah, that it absolutely does yeah it and does. it's really cool so yeah. the artwork on a lot of these frail yard cards honestly is great they yeah they they just did a good job with the flavor on them mm-hmm. and it, it gets me excited about about them 
Um, do you want to take us to our last champion, though? Because there's a new interesting interaction with the last champion. Uh, do you feel good telling us uh, about Nar? Absolutely. So we have Nar. Nar is a Yordle. Uh, it is a uh, Freljord and Bandle City dual faction champion. Uh, four mana, four, three with quick attack. It says, yep. um, it says strike, create a, I believe it's pokey stick. Yeah, it's a pokey stick. Okay. Yep. The artwork, it, the, the blue text blends really, really bad on the, the <laughs> yes, image. Yes, you can um, see what it says. You can barely see what it says. Uh, create a pokey stick in hand, or if you have one, reduce its cost by one. Now we all know how strong pokey stick is, so just keep that in mind. Uh, now level uh, yeah, up. It's, I mean, it's like saying you have a card that says when it strikes, create like the original version of uh, uh, what was the the Targon two drop that drew a card. Oh, pale like, Cascade. Yeah, like yeah. create a Pale Cascade in hand on strike. Like Pale Cascade yeah, is really, I feel like Pale Cascade is broke you, Mark. Uh, because like I feel like. standard. I compare everything. You to just pale compare Cascade. everything to Pale Cascade's old version. I lost my yeah. freaking crap when we reviewed that card a year and a half ago. Because That's it, true. it's just like, I cannot believe they're printing this. This card is insane. Like, And you I get it right. off a champion. Yeah, and you get it off a champion. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue to tell us about that. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, <laughs> this is funny. Um, so on level up, it says round end, you've damaged the enemy nexus this round. So wow, that's really easy to do, guys. Well, let yep. me tell you why. Because uh at that round end, you're going to flip it over to its quote unquote leveled version, which is Mega Nar. Okay. Um, still four mana. Still quick attack. Gets overwhelmed now. Well, that's pretty cool. When I level up, grant the strongest enemy vulnerable. And then oh, I'll round in. Plus two, plus two on stats instead of plus oh, one, yeah. plus one. It gets a six, five. It's, it actually steals the, the one point from Gallia. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, when I level up, grant the strongest enemy vulnerable. And then on round end. If I've seen you start the round with the attack token, transform me back into Nar. This is our very first champion that de-levels. Yep. Which honestly makes sense. So if you don't know anything about Nar in an NOR lore, he basically throws like a boomerang or something at people. Basically a pokey stick. Uh, and he's this ranged champion. And then he flips to Mega Nar when he fills up his rage bar. And, uh, and he throws a giant rock and uh, knocks everybody, like, against a wall if they're close to a wall. Anyway, and he's just this, like, giant menace. And then, as his rage bar sort of goes away, once it's gone, he turns back into Mininar. So, very, I mean, they've captured that super, super well in this design. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean... I, I guess this this wants to play with that ping build. It's oh, yeah. going to be neat to look at this and say, does this go with Udir? Does this go with Sejuani? Uh, does it go in a Noxus build as an aggressive unit? Because keep in mind, uh, granting the strongest enemy vulnerable doesn't mean that Meganar has to take it, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're able to consistently do a little bit of chunk damage before swinging, uh or or really on a future turn 
uh, Nar could be a great closer, kind of like the old uh, arena um, guy that would get plus one, plus one for each um, for each unit on your side of the board. I mean, he would get up to a five, four, six, five, and yeah. he would have these huge stats with overwhelm. I mean, that's what basically that's what Nar does right now. And you've got a bunch of uh, new cards that can ping the face. You've got a bunch of old cards that already could do that, whether through overwhelm like Ruthless Raider or Ember Maiden. Um, so oh, we had ping city like crazy before this. I mean, there was oh, yeah. lots of ping. And, and there's even more ability to do that in like a, and I used to play this uh, at one, there was one meta where a Freljord Noxus like Vlad aggro was viable where mm. you could, Vlad would be that top end and you had things like Ruthless Raider, Crimson Disciple, um, you know, Legion Saboteur, all these things that could ping the face through effects, uh, burning the uh, opponent down, basically like a, like a burn deck, you know? Um, but with a little bit of, uh, a little bit of fun, um, I guess, a uh, frail Yordian influence into it with the sort of self damage, um, stuff. And I think NAR could fit really nicely there because at the end of the day, uh, this is either going to serve the purpose of being an aggressive finisher or it's going to be a mid range, like brawler kind of, uh, you know, uh, kind of like Trundle is in those those control decks where Trundle's job is not necessarily to win the game, but to control the mid game and to keep your opponent from winning so during that yes. phase so that you don't lose. And I think NAR Vi can do that as well. That. Vi was very similar to that pre-nerf too. Vi could yeah, absolutely. serve that same role. Like you didn't even try to level her up. You weren't really building around her. You just wanted something to drop in the mid game that was hard to get rid of that could contend for the board. And, and the thing is, is like you don't have to really work very hard to get NAR leveled. You don't have to build around leveling NAR. At some point, you're going to do a single point of damage. It's, oh, not, yeah. it's not hard to do. Run. I, you can Avalanche. You can uh, Ice Shard. I mean, any number of things. And you don't really care if he gets hurt in the process. You know, as long as he doesn't drop. Because as soon as he gets to the end of that turn, he'll get plus two, plus two, and start, you know, attacking things with uh, his Overwhelm, Vulnerable, etc. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, he's, I, he's I'm pretty impressed with generating Pokey sticks, which literally level him up. Yeah, and and, and yeah, it's it's Nar is good. I'm just gonna say, uh, I I think Nar is 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 very good. I mean, they created a card, a champion that creates Pokey stick. That's all <laughs> they needed to do to make a good card, like. If there was a card in the game that just said, like, I strike and create Pokey Stick, I'd be like, yeah, that goes in the deck. Yeah, if I'm playing Bandle City, I'd play that card. <laughs> like, sure. If I'm not playing Bandle City and I can find a way. I mean, this is how you get Pokey Stick into a Frail Yord with something else deck. Because you, you can get Pokey Stick in with Gnar and you don't, like, Pokey Stick is such a good card. It's so good. Um, like, yeah, there's the ability that card, like, to. It didn't get spoiled. It just suddenly showed up, like at, on release day. And we're like, yeah, oh, we would have felt way different about Bandle City if we knew that Pokey Stick had existed because this card's crazy. It's so good. It also uh, empowers plunder effects too. I mean, I think that you can look sure. at this and you can say, where does this fit in with with um, Gangplank? Where does this fit in with you know a uh, Bilgewater plunder? Uh, Sedwania oh, is an obvious choice. I mean, there's just a lot of places where this fits, and not only does Nar 
theoretically, if it attacks on four, gives you a pokey stick and you use spell mana to use it. Not only does that have one point towards a Gangplank or Sedge level up, but on the following attack, turkin, attack token turn, uh, you can get an Overwhelm Gnar to, to deal damage as well um, and work towards I mean, those honestly, level ups. I think I play this like with Gnar and Sejuani, but I don't. like I, I play this and then I run the Bilgewater stuff. I, I might replace Gangplank with this. Yeah, that there, there's definitely an uh, an argument there for that. Um, I, I think, you like might I said, just be able to slot him out. Maybe, maybe not. Like I said, I think I'm pretty excited to play this in the pretty, you know, pretty aggressive um, Noxus Frailyard list. It's uh, kind of like a closer. Um, maybe not one that's like all out turbo burn, but something that's that's trying to win the game round six or seven. Um, I think that yeah that. There's there's a lot of application for Nar and the the simple truth is it's it's not you you don't commit to anything. Nar can be in any deck because it feeds itself. It's totally self reliant. None of its abilities require any sort of combos or 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 really cap or or do they nor do they capitalize on any sort of combos. So so Nar is basically the new sort of twisted fate in the idea that it it can really go with anything you want in my opinion or 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 like a like a like if you look at the, the 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 champs that can go in anything you're looking at like tf this probably like zoe right like yeah there's probably a few others there's a few uh, more maybe like you could really argue around yeah you could argue maybe draven just because it's three three quick attack creates a card to discard like like there there are champs out there that just they're just good stuff this is a good yeah, stuff Akshan champ. counts as that. Akshan probably. Yeah, quite possibly. That. So, so yeah. I mean, there's just Sivir. Sivir's another one, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Sivir's just good. Just very just, good. Just good. Just generics. Good. Yeah. So, and that this is that. It's a generic, flex, good. very flexible, you know? Um, and I think that had this been a three drop, even with lower stats, we look at this as a purely aggro card. Had this been a five drop, we look at this and say, I don't know if it this might be too late in the game for an effect like this. Four is weirdly the perfect spot for a card like this to serve multiple purposes. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting, too, that it's... it's <laughs> the level up is so interesting because there's so many cards like this that you could slot into a deck and you never level them up. But you're okay with that because their level one's fine. Like, Twisted Fate fits that. Like, uh, if I never level up Twisted Fate, I don't really care. The cool uh, part yeah, about you already this, got the ability. Yeah, you got the ability. You know, even uh, Sivir, like, oh, you might level her up, but if you don't, she's a four mana five three with spell shield and quick attack. Like, okay, this is good enough. Yeah, um, yeah, you would the, play that. You would play that if it wasn't a champion. It didn't have a level up. If, yeah, if, exactly. If they printed, I mean, that was basically what Ruin Runner was for a while. Exactly. So there's a lot of cards that are kind of like we're talking about other staples. Draven is just like that. Like even if you rarely level up Draven, but he's just good in aggressive strategies. Nar is kind of like that, but you get the bonus as if you almost always get to level him up as well and probably multiple times. I hope what they don't do is have a really long level up animation for this that's super annoying that has to play every time he levels up. Because if I have to watch this card's level up animation five times in a game, I am not going to be happy about that. I doubt that. I bet it's going to be like a Teemo style quick little doop, 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 or, doop, rawr. Or I don't care if it's longer. 
I, I think it's been shown, but I don't care if it's longer as long as the next time he levels up, he just switches. Yeah, like fair it's enough. a quick thing. Sure. Like I'm okay with one long one, then all the ones after that, I don't want to see it again. Um, or, or they could do what I've been asking for, which is to institute a button that you can click to skip a level up animation. That'd be great. They could do that. They the won't do it. But that's a quality that of life change that I want. <laughs> <laughs> the other question that I have for this is: Let's say you play Nar. You get him to Mega Nar, and he dies as Mega Nar. The next time you draw a Nar from your deck, is he Mega Nar or is he back to Nar? I'm pretty sure he'd just be back to Nar, right? Well, I, I don't know because if you level up a champion, all of the versions of it in your deck are leveled up. So mm. if mm -hmm. he dies leveled up, does all of the versions in your deck remain leveled up? So the next time you draw one, you drop him as Mega Nar. I don't know. It, it's kind of no. Hard that's a great point because tell. now that it, now that you say that, I'm reading his text. I'm seeing no situation where it would say, you know, like on death or something like that. It's only on round end, and you can only have a round end effect if you're alive. So yeah, yeah. I think you're yeah. right. I think I think it I think it flip flops you all of your copies back and forth. Yeah. So the next time you draw one, you would draw a Meganar or a Nar, depending on when he died. Um, but honestly, you don't even really want that because his ability to give something vulnerable only happens on level up. It's not level yep. up or yep. play. Mm -hmm. So you almost want him to come in as basic NAR, give you the pokey stick. Maybe there's some situations that you wouldn't, but uh, there's a little bit of science there. I want to see how he works. Uh, but overall, I think, okay, so now that we've seen all of the Yurtles, right? We've seen them all. I oh, have to goodness. ask you. Uh, well, thank goodness. I, I do have to ask you. So out of all of the dual region ones, we have Fizz, we have Kennen, we have Timo Lulu, we have uh, Ziggs, Poppy, Rumble, Vigar, Heimerdinger, and now we're going to have, you know, Nar, um, and, I, and I guess and technically in Yumi. Um, which is your favorite? Like, and I don't mean like statistics wise, like thematically, art wise, mm -hmm. which one is your favorite out of all of them? Uh, you know, I've been actually really excited for, and I I don't know this character at all, like, cause I didn't play League of Legends really, but I've heard about Nar and I thought Nar would be cool. And I like Freljord. Um, I I'm, I'm willing to say Nar is probably my favorite. You, you list all those guys and Vagar. I really like thematically love Vagar's level up. I love his voice lines and all that. Uh -huh. Hate his play style. So it's tough, sure. right? Because darkness just got so old so fast, it's so pretty. <laughs> yeah, like you, it yes. built. It's another deck that builds itself. Um, and it's super annoying to play against, and it's annoying. Yeah, but Vagar is oh, such a fun character. Like, and he's a character. I love him. Mm -hmm. uh, but but you know, it's it's tough because the the play style drives me up a wall. And same with a lot of those other guys you mentioned. Like Ziggs is neat because I like landmarks but they're not that great. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, cards like Teemo just can, can just get lost. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of the, like Poppy, you know, just the, a lot of the Bandles, not only did thematically, they, they felt like they clashed to me uh, with the other aesthetics, but they also uh, had play styles that I generally find unappealing. Um Nar to me seems like that borderline thematically, and maybe I'm just apologizing for it because I have to pick a favorite. 
but but to me i look at freljord and i love the idea that there's this cute little thing in the snow and then it gets really mad you know yeah and then it's dangerous and scary and that to me feels a like freljord uh and b like it's not always cute it's deadly too you know what i mean like i hate the I'm this cute little tiny thing and I'm shooting you with a huge gun, but I'm still cute. Yeah. Like it just doesn't work for me. Uh, so, so, you know, um, I thought, I thought, I thought it was going to be a shakeup between Gnar and rumble to be honest with you. Oh, you know what? I forgot about rumble. I rumble is there too. Yeah. In fact, yeah, maybe rumbles first. If I, I, I've totally I mean, forgot rumble about rumble. Really, out of all I characters, love rumble and cool. I love, and I love Noxus. So okay, I'll just I'll just give it a tie. Rumble and Nar, and because Rumble's also the most to me the most grounded in reality of Runeterra, uh-huh. of the of all of them, you know. So so that works for me aesthetically as well. So yeah, Rumble and Nar. There we go. Okay, so I'll I'll close with mine as well. I think I, I there's really none of the girdles that I love that much. Um, I think that Nar is going to be my favorite, likely. Freljord's been one of my favorite factions, if not my favorite faction, for a really long time. Um, but honestly, a close second is Kennen for me. I love the mm. thematics of Kennen. I love the play style of Kennen. I know he's annoying. I know he's obnoxious. I know that in some situations he was broken and he's kind of gotten a bad rap for that. I love his level up look. I love the electric ninja mouse ninja style uh i think that that's really cool and he doesn't just look like a cute yurtle he looks like he doesn't just have like the big eyes and the cuteness factor and the smile on his face like he's masked and he has glowing eyes in his level up and so i think it's kenan and and nar are my top two yeah kenan would just be so much more tolerable if it wasn't so annoying toxic. and toxic yeah, it's very yeah. Toxic. yeah. because because yeah. like i love i wish recall i wish they did so many things different with that package because I, I really liked what they did with kenan when he's divorced from the elusive sort of spammy strategies mm-hmm. yeah um, i agree with that and and like i play i liked him with yasuo i thought that was a ton of fun um even though maybe a little bit toxic too but in a different way right uh sure. and uh but but yeah i agree with you aesthetically i think you're right Kenan is another one that feels like it actually belongs in the runeterra universe and is consistent with the level of intensity that we've seen from pretty much every other champ and champs mm-hmm. are flavorful and they're allowed to be fun and have character and charisma it's not like they all have to be gritty dariuses but my point is that they feel like they could exist uh reasonably and mm-hmm. I look at some of these yordles and I say, how is this thing alive <laughs> in a world with Darius's and Garen's and whatnot? Sure, sure, <laughs> this, sure, thing, sure. This, this culture should have been conquered and decimated a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they showed up, just got stomped on. Oh, yeah. man. Okay, well, why don't we uh, why don't we work our way out of here? It's it's been a while and it's getting late for us, um, so let's go ahead and work our way out of here with some quick closing thoughts. And I thought I was already perfect. Okay, guys, closing thoughts, of course, is the part of the show. We hope that adding something to your life in general uh, beyond gaming, um, and uh, it's one of my favorite parts of doing the show. I know it's been you know several people they enjoy it. Um, so my closing thought today has to deal with pain. Uh, and just painful, emotionally painful and stressful situations. I, 
I've just been dealing a lot recently with people who are going through a lot. Um, and it's no coincidence that 2020, 2021, even into 2022, um, the pressure is mounted on people's lives and people have gone through a lot. They've, they've just been in bad situations. And I was literally messaging with somebody last night who was just going through a hard time and they were in a really dark place. Um, and they, you know, they basically said, like, what would you say if I told you I'm just done? Like, I'm just checked out. And I, I said, I, I would hope that you would know that in life that pain has purpose and that as you grow older, you learn through wisdom and through experience to see the beauty and the good things, even in difficult and painful situations that you grow in ways through pain that you are incapable of growing or learning about yourself in good times and that life isn't just about experiencing things that are easy and happy but that life is about a much wider range of things. And there's a lie in our world that says that you should always and only exclusively be happy, that there's things to be learned through difficulty and pain as well that are fruitful and helpful and beautiful and amazing. Um, even if the situation is hard. So I say all of that to say, you also shouldn't go through those things alone. So I've said this on the show, probably I haven't said it in six months to a year, um, but I keep an open door policy with our community. So if you need somebody to talk to, let's say you're going through something that's particularly painful right now and you're trying to learn through it or you don't see what you're supposed to learn in it and you just need somebody to talk to and you feel like you don't have anybody outside of your context that you can speak to about what's going on in your life, like you can always DM me and set up a time to just talk. And I'm I'm a pretty good listener. And um, one of the main, one of the greatest joys that I've had through doing uh, Legends Cast over the past two and a half years, almost, you know, will be three years this June, um, is the people from our community that have reached out during difficult and painful seasons that I've been able to meet with and talk to. Um, and I've been able to watch as they've been able to walk out of some of those things and grow through some of those things. And I've been able to play a minute but a cool part of that narrative and that story in their lives. And so if you need to talk to somebody right now, just know there's always an open door here at the podcast that you listen to. And you can reach out to me over Discord or over email um, at, at camplegendnetwork um, at gmail.com literally anytime um i'm at my pc every single day so that's it for closing thoughts uh but we got to work our way out of here dbn anything else that you'd like to add here at the end of the episode or anything you think that we missed this episode uh no i i think we about covered it i just want to uh remind everybody that uh with the new expansion dropping go out there have some fun uh we do always have a lot of buzz uh on the first day of a new patch whether it's expansions or uh, whether it is you know patch notes for for you know nerfs or buffs or whatever, there's always a lot of buzz in our Discord. So if you are interested in getting some great ideas or comparing notes, you should always uh, feel comfortable to jump into our Discord. It will be in the show notes. Uh, certainly, the link will be there. But we also uh, you know it's a very welcoming community. We have it pretty 
heavily moderated in terms of positivity and, you know, and, and, you know, good behavior, but we really don't have to moderate that. That's the beauty of it is that uh, we've fortunately built a culture that is, um, you know, really, really friendly and helpful. So we have a deck tech section where people are almost certainly going to be posting new lists. Uh, you know, we Already have, yeah. I mean, there's people are, yeah, that's true. People are already theory crafting the legends of Runeterra. Um, channel just for general discussion about the game uh, is popping off as we speak. So I just uh, I recommend that uh, if you haven't yet, this is my advertisement for our Discord. It's a great place. We don't just talk Rintera too. You can talk about everything from you know cooking food to you know brewing uh, beer to playing Pokemon Unite with me and Gibby to all sorts yeah. of stuff. Fitness, I mean, it, it, board games, tabletop. RPGs, you name it. We have it all, and uh, and there's just some really great people in here, and so we are officially welcoming you to join if you haven't yet. Absolutely. Thank you for that, DB, and I sometimes forget to add that at the end. But, uh, okay, I mean, that's basically going to do it, guys, for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. Um, once again, make sure to go out and check out Almost Legends um, and uh, and follow that wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll go ahead and get the pilot up on the main feed at the same time as this. So if you want to check out just the pilot, you can check it out over there. And on Friday, just the pilot for the new podcast is going to release on this feed as well. So it'll be all over the place so you can check it out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening this week. We appreciate you. We love you. And be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.